Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I have an interview today. I'll be talking to Kevin Hurt. Kevin Hurt is the executive director of IABC, International Association of Biblical Counseling. Episode 149, I interviewed Brandy Huerta, and we were at Westminster or in Westminster, Colorado at Life Fellowship Church. And that's where I'm at right now. You can hear some noise in the background. We're at the National Conference of IABC. Kevin is one of the leaders, and I asked him if he would do an interview with me, and he was very gracious to do so. Kevin lives in Georgia, about two hours from me, and we were talking in email. (laughs) The way we see each other is we travel 2,000 miles just to see each other. Kevin, thanks for seeing me. Well, thank you, Rick. It's always a joy to join you and just to interact with you. You always spur me along in every conversation. Uh, You're in the Hall of Fame now. This is a second interview. I don't grant second interview. (laughs) Wow, I feel privileged. Daniel Berger has done three, I think, and so you're you're at the head of the class, and so you are. That's an honor. You're you're blessed. (laughs) All right, executive director. Now you're a pastor as well, and we do have another interview with Kevin that I did a year or so ago. I'll put it in the show notes so you can listen to that. And we talked about him being a pastor at that time. But just briefly, how long have you been pastoring? Uh, This is my 30th year at the same church. It was a church plant, and we've been there this year 30 years. That's really amazing. It has been. (laughs) uh, To be there that long. Uh, So uh, how many folks show up on Sunday morning? So about 180 people would call Grace Bible Church their home. And and the town, what town is this? That's in the town of Clayton, Georgia, Northeast Georgia Mountains. Okay, Northeast Georgia. So you are right across the border more or less from Greenville because we are northwest yep. South yeah. Carolina and you're northeast Georgia so we are close together we are yeah so our little town bumps up to South Carolina right 10 minutes away 20 minutes away you're in North Carolina we're as far as you can go in the northeast corner of the state of Georgia now as a uh, side job you are with the IABC as the executive director how did you uh, get that position well so um I'd been a part of IABC for some time, and um, Ed invited me to be a part of the board that existed at that point. And it was a good group of men, uh, great guys. Uh, we would come together once a year, and uh, just being who I am and the nature of the way I look at life and things, I said, hey, Ed, I think if we did this, this would be good. And, and have you ever thought about this and this and this? So you know what he said to me? He said, it sounds like you just talked yourself into I, I a job. It, I know exactly what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not looking for that. He said, no, uh, I would love for you to come along and, and help some administrative things with the ministry. So I did, and that's probably been about oh, six or seven years ago that I took that position. Yeah, people come to our ministry with ideas. Hey, Rick, have you decided to do this? There's two things they need to do. They need to bring an idea, and then they need to be ready to implement the yes. idea. And so uh, you had some ideas, and you started implementing those ideas, and now you're the executive director. How, now, you're a team. This is a team ministry, of course. Yep. And so how many folks are on the team, and who are they? Yep, so we have five men. They're all full-time pastors, and everyone serves free uh, on that board. Uh, so we are by our calling pastors and counselors already in our church. And so uh, obviously uh, Ed Bulkley serves as the president. I serve as the executive vice president for the organization. Uh, Dr. Bob Frost is there. Uh, we also have uh, Jeff Cologne who is there. 
uh, who serves with us, and then Dan Bulkley. So five of us are, serve as the executive board. So you have five pastors, one hockey player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob is the hockey player, ex-hockey player. Former hockey player. Yeah, yeah we he, chatted with, with he and his wife yesterday. Interesting stories. It is. He told me the way he made it in the Hall of Fame, uh, or he put a lot of people in the Hall of Fame as they got that puck past him. (laughs) Everybody has a role to play. (laughs) Yeah, and he's a great team player and a coach along the way with us. Now, as IABC, uh, what's the? Tell me just a couple distinctives of IABC that would, if someone were coming, say, "Hey, I'd like to be part of IABC. I want to learn biblical counseling. What makes you distinctive?" Yeah, so, you know, you would think that in a a day when you use the word biblical counseling that we're talking the same language. But the reality is that uh, we find that people may use that word and use it rather loosely. So for us, the distinctive at IEBC is that we really do believe the Bible is sufficient. So uh, it used to be Christian counseling was acceptable, and then that term got diluted, and biblical counseling was the purer way of saying it what you're talking about but now you're saying that even the term biblical counseling is diluted in some areas is that what you're saying yes exactly what i'm saying um just because we have people carrying the bible talking about the bible doesn't necessarily mean they're letting the bible be the ultimate authority and and the diagnostic tool for how they deal with life issues and solutions so the primary distinctive is sufficiency sufficiency is a huge distinctive for us uh we constantly get calls like that saying do you really believe that the bible is sufficient and does that mean that you use the bible alone when it comes to the issues of life and now what's the motivation behind that question most of the time is that a good thing or a bad thing yeah they're looking because they've discovered that just because someone tells them they are a biblical counseling organization it may not really mean that the bible truly is the source for the authority of their counseling. Okay, so the Bible is the soul book that we use to do soul care, biblical counseling. What's another distinctive? Yeah, so another distinctive about IEBC is that um, we don't have to have everyone on the same page as far as church polity and doctrine. For example, we have like our core beliefs about what sufficiency is about, what biblical counseling looks like, but we're not going to get into the issues of uh, eschatology or soteriology, whether you're on the Reformed side, Calvinist side, or you're an Arminian. We, we just not, are not going to do that. We can partner, and we do work with, and even amongst our own board, we land on different positions on those things, but we still find that what holds us together, because we're not a church, right? right. We're serving the church. What holds us together is the sufficiency of God's Word for counseling uh, and uh, not needing anything beyond that. So when you came, you saw IABC, you said you mentioned, hey, what about this, what about that? But what really compelled you to continue to serve. I mean, you can implement whatever those ideas were a few years ago, but you're still here and you're the executive director. So why are you still here? Yeah. So I'm still here because I really believe in what we're doing. I'm just not a vision caster. I'm a doer. I love to see the problem and not just offer the solution, but be a part of the solution. It's kind of like what Ed did to me, right? That's a great idea. How can we do that? Do it. So I'm still here because I believe in what we're doing. And I think that what we're doing is finding success and God's blessing in it. And uh, there's bigger things, I think, 
are ahead for us, and I want to be a part, not as of the vision, but actually the uh, carrying out of that. What's the busy time, what's the IBC busy time of the year for you? Is this it here? Yeah, this is our big event, right? You know, so throughout the year, we're doing conferences on the East Coast, the West Coast. Uh, we have all the executive boards speaking at different times in different places. What presenting. do you call the? Are these national conferences or are they yeah, no, this regional? Is na the national is here. This in is the national. We call them regional. Yeah, those are regional, like East Coast, West Coast conferences, and um, and those will carry the same themes as the national conference will. Uh, we'll select our speakers to come and present there, but there'll be the same theme throughout the year. So we do that. Every year we set out a theme, we use that for the East Coast, West Coast, and then we all come together for the National Conference. Where's the East and West Conference? Uh, the East Coast is conference is done in Buffalo, New York, and the West Coast is done in Seattle, Washington. And so, busy time, this is it here? I mean, you're... Uh, how do you do this, uh, being a pastor and yeah. and then running this... Min I, would not, I mean, I know it's a team ministry, but... yeah. yeah. Well, so we have divided responsibilities. Dr. Bob Froese and uh, his wife, Ruth, run the membership certification office in New York. So they handle all that. I don't have to handle those kind of things. They take all the questions, process all the you membership. you spend most of your time in Georgia? Yeah, I do. I would say, yeah, that's where my time is. Our board meets every month together, but we do that via Zoom. So that's how we come together. And we obviously, through agendas, have goals and objectives we're reaching and working to move forward in the ministry. So we're all serving in our particular areas uh, and doing that, but we come together for that monthly meeting. For me, um, and again, another thing, those all five of those guys have at least eight to 10 training centers that they oversee and they're constantly connecting with them, trying to serve them, minister to them, make sure they're partnering with them because they are the hub and the wheelhouse of what we do. But for me, you know, how do I do all that? Uh, I do that with a team, right? That's who that is. and. Um, so far, I just don't have this uh, drive that's in me that uh, I go and I can go and I can go and I can go. So <clears throat> I'll find myself sometimes arriving home uh, at my house uh, Sunday morning, 2 a.m. from a conference, get up at 3 or 4 in the morning to finish my notes for preaching that morning and get up and preach and then come home and crash. <laughs> but that's I can do that. Wow. Sounds like fun. You it's, like coffee? I do love coffee, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Which, by the way, at your coffee interview, you haven't yet provided me coffee. <laughs> Brother, we need to get you some. We need to get you some coffee. I'll go back here. Uh, Life Fellowship Church is uh, it's a good sized building. I don't know how many people they have here, but this church has been here for quite a while, right? Yeah, it is. Ed, I believe, unless I'm misspeaking here, just uh, ended his 40-year ministry in this church. Yeah, now he retired, right? He and, did. He and, stepped back, taking a lesser role, more involved now with IABC. Well, what I was going to say is they have a coffee shop in the back of the building, but I'll get, <laughs> so I'll get you some coffee. Now let's go on. So Ed Buckley, uh, he stepped down as pastor. Dan is taking Buckley, his son, taking over as yeah senior pastor. So is he, is he going to work more with IBC or? Yes, absolutely. So Ed now is much more free to do a lot of uh, speaking and traveling for IBC and uh, free to go now as often as we can, a lot of international trips. Yeah. And so where are some of the countries where you're, you all are working yeah. now? So uh, Romania, we have Ireland, we have Uganda. Uh, we just got an invite to Mongolia. So we're looking to plan that trip and then Brazil. And what would you do in Mongolia? Well, so Mongolia, the best I understand, after 
communism dropped, right, uh, Christianity that was underground came above. And so they have about 17 to 20 years now of uh, Christianity that's been alive and known in public. So those pastors there are clueless about how to disciple with scripture. Uh, so we would go there and we would help to equip and train them as pastors to do that. Yeah, and talk to me about, uh, let me give a big shout out to Johnny Touche. Yes. <laughs> uh, I've known Johnny for 20-something years. Uh, he pastored in Greenville, where I'm from, for a long time. And we met back in the 90s. Don't remember the circumstances, but we ran into each other and have been friends ever since. And he stepped down from his church a couple of years ago and then uh, took him and his family. How many kids he had? Hey, I don't know what the number is, but they all six. packed up. And yeah, they yeah he's a big family. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, you're kidding me, Johnny. <laughs> He's yeah. in his like mid-40s, maybe? Or uh, early 50s. Early 50s. Yeah. And he went to Uganda, yes. and uh, he's yeah. doing a biblical counseling. I mean, he's, he's planning churches, but Johnny, is, he's always been into biblical counseling. Now, you all, or we all, all are partnering with him, right? You've been there? That is correct, yeah. So uh, the first time Ed and I went, and we did a, a 40 hours of lecture at a university there. We invited a social worker, psychologist, and pastors who were all psychologized. And we spoke eight hours a day straight with lunch in the middle uh, and did it for five days for 40 hours. So we went there. Then we discovered that there was another ministry that was there. Johnny hadn't arrived yet. Right? Okay. So IBC had already been there before Johnny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Johnny had, he may have been connected with them. I think he had visited the area, had a plan to leave, as you said, the church he was in and move his family there, but he hadn't established that yet. So he had connected us up with this uh, folk, the folks there in Uganda. We went, did those lectures, we came back. Then we discovered another ministry that uh, had gone and we thought we would partner with them and they with us and we did. And so long story short, now that Johnny is there, doing what he's doing as a professor at the same university, planning churches, uh, teaching biblical counseling to pastors. Now what's happening is Johnny and an established ministry that's there for uh, uh, Uganda called Sufficiency of Scripture SOS with Shannon Hurley. Uh, those two are there on the ground and they're there serving uh, and doing and training pastors. And so we and another organization called OIC partner together with those. And so we go over now twice a year to have 400 pastors that have returned in the modules to keep coming back for training. So you have a global ministry where you're going. I mean, it is International Association of Biblical Counselors. Counselors. So you're going into these countries. You're training pastors like you mentioned, Mongolia. You're talking about Uganda. Let's say a church member is... Um, in Austin, Texas, and uh, not a pastor, not going to ever be a pastor, but they want to grow in discipleship. Would they be a good fit for IEBC? Yeah, absolutely. Again, if I was back to the first question about distinctives, one would be that we believe that biblical counseling is the role of every believer, right? At some level, to some degree, we all should be counseling one another, as Romans 15, 14 says, and that uh, they are competent and able to do that. You know, so we don't want, um, and this will help answer that question, we wouldn't want 
a counseling center to be looked at as an appendage to the church as something as a ministry of the church, but that's what the church is. The church is a counseling center. And obviously at various degrees and levels, some people handle more difficult issues than others, but we're all doing that. So yeah, the guy who says, hey, I'm not a pastor, uh, but I want to be a biblical counselor. You better believe it. IABC is going to be giving that person like a high five to say, amen. That's exactly what Paul was saying to the Romans. He wasn't writing to the elders and pastors. He was writing to all the Christians there. So yeah, come on. We want to equip you. We want to train you. We want you to be doing the work of biblical counseling. So whether you're a pastor, you're qualified for this kind of training. If you're a church member, Christian, I just want to do coffee with people and talk to them about Christ and help them with soul problems, do discipleship. This would be good training for them as well. Absolutely. Because all we are doing is trying to provide tools and resources to help them comprehend and understand practically how to take what they know in scripture and apply it to real life issues. So yeah, they're going to do it. And I told my church when we started training them years and years ago, they said, well, I'm not a counselor. This is not my gift. I go, yeah, you are. You're a Christian. So you're a counselor, right? And when somebody calls you they and you pick up the phone and they start telling you their story and you began to talk, you just offered counsel. The question is, did that come from scripture or some other Place. How did your church respond to that when they found out they were Christian counselors? Yeah, yeah, they, they responded to that well. They began to do that. I mean, I remember like even our office manager uh, who worked for me years ago, one of our managers, She, uh, I heard her answer the phone. I was busy with something. I couldn't take the call. And uh, so she said, well, can I help you? And this lady said, yeah, I really am struggling with a depression issue, and I just need to talk to Pastor Kevin. And she said, well, did you know that there are basically three non-organic causes for biblical counseling? (laughs) And this is the phone person who answers the phone. (laughs) And she's counseling the woman, and she's going through the notes and the resources we provided for our church, and she's counseling a person who's calling for an appointment. Uh, Do you find that people generally buy in? to that i mean your church did hey you are a christian counselor Uh, if you need training you can get training but christians in general as you go from churches to church do they perceive this hey i can't i am a christian counselor how do they receive the message same way that your folks did or you know it just depends on how psychologized they have been if they have been psychologized and they've watched all the latest talk shows and everything that's convinced them that that's outside the realm of the church then you have a tough time right um, but if you can help them to understand that what we're talking about is the public and private proclamation of Scripture and the Word, the, and that they can do it, and, you know, and, and if you can convince them through Scripture that that's a doable thing for them and, it's, and, and help them to understand basically how to redefine a lot of labeling and biblical language, then they go, oh, that makes sense to me. Uh, they're still scared, right? They're sure. still afraid they're going to mess it up. Right. right. But they at least believe now that is something we can do. Yeah, uh, I tell my students it took me about 10 years just to get comfortable, you know, in doing biblical counseling. But And that's doing a lot of it. I mean, it's it does take, I mean, it takes training. You need to train in. You also need to get your reps in. You need to be doing it. But there's a fear factor Absolutely. involved. And I remember one of the first people I ever counseled is I had no clue, you know, what to tell him. And so... It's trusting God that God's going to help you through that. And we kind of stumbled through it, but there's really no other way. And yeah. so the fear factor is it's very real. Yeah. And so, you know, I think another thing I often tell them in trying to build confidence and hope in the ability to do that as a believer is that, um, believe it or not, I will say to them, what do you have to offer them? If it's the smallest trinket of truth and just 
the, the, the solutions of God's Word. If it's just something you think is so simple, it's far more than the world will ever be able to provide for them. Yeah, I agree. The woman at the well knew Jesus about a half a second. And yep. All she could say is come see a man. But exactly. She uh, was maxing out what she knew, but that was good enough. And Amen. And that's what I tell people, wherever you are at this moment, I mean, if you love God, you love God's word, you love people, just share, you know, what God has given you. And as you continue to do that, you'll you'll yeah. grow in your gift. And, and I think for uh, for Christians, they often, again, have the paradigm in their mind that to counsel means I have an office and an appointment right. book. <laughs> right. And yeah, we want to remind them that's OK. You can do that. I mean, I live my life by a calendar, you know, and I have appointments with people and I'm not rigid by that that I can't be interrupted and sit down with someone but if they think that's what counseling always is about they'll miss the conversational counseling the coffee cup counseling the over at our house for dinner counseling that could take place around the table uh, but when they get that and they see that we're not talking about professionalism we're talking about being a believer discipling and interacting with others then they go I could do that yeah, I had an old, older woman uh, come to me a few years ago and she said Rick the she had a little dust up with another old lady in the church and she said would you go talk to her this is a shorthand conversation and she said a lot more than that and I said no at the end of the day and, uh, and I, I didn't say it like that but I said no, this is what I want you to do I want you to go and I want you to talk to her and this is what Matthew 18 says if your brother or your sister offends you you go and you talk and she was petrified but she was humble she was teachable and she went away and she came back a few days later and said i talked to my friend and we worked things out and and thank you so much for that and it was like great she just she didn't have a category and said, we have a problem i need to go talk to the preacher and he's gonna take care of it for me that's right and that obviously helps to deal with that fear factor and the confidence again that hey i, I did this i can do this right yeah. So what would you see as uh, the biggest uh, attack uh, against Christians doing soul care today? I assume that's what we've been talking about, the mm -hmm. encroachment of the secular world. Uh, or, or is it the encroachment of the secular world or is it us uh, pursuing the secular world? There's two sides to that. It's, it, I know they're attacking us, but we're also attracted to their teaching and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So again, what is the biggest attack you think that we're yeah, facing? Yeah, on biblical counseling. Yeah. Um, I mean, I answered the question, but I don't yeah. know if that's the answer that you would yeah, give. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I would think so. So, you know, I think one of the biggest attacks again is which is underlying always the doctrine of sufficiency, right? So the biggest attack is, is are we really talking about something that's spiritual? Are we talking about something that's medical, right? And we get the whole medical model in our mind about everything in life that we really see little space probably as a culture. And for us to step up and say that's sin and call it something other than the culture is comfortable with is going to create an attack for us. What would you attribute to the uh, growth of IABC? Because it has grown quite a bit over the last three or four years. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think that, uh, as I've said to someone just earlier this morning, God does not steer parked cars, right? You know, in other words, if you just sit on your hand and say, God, I want you to use me, uh, you're probably not going to find any opportunity. I feel a T-shirt coming on. <laughs> 
<laughs> or a bumper well, that's a Jim sticker. Elliott quote. Jim Elliott used to say the missionary Jim Elliott. I didn't make that one up. Oh, that, well, that's not no, yours. No, don't, okay, don't well, thank you. you for giving credit. I'll, yes. I'll put Jim Elliott down in the corner of it. But he said, uh, God does not steer parked cars. So part of the success of IABC is we were able to revamp and reorganize some things about six years ago. And uh, say, here are, I think, some things we need to go after. Let's, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to get from A to B. We started steering the car with no idea what road that would take us down and who it would connect us with. But we would have never what, made that what, would you say we need to, What does that mean practically when you said we need to start steering the car? What? Yeah, so, so I, I had the idea. I said, I think that um, we need to pour ourselves in developing training centers that we can trust with the process of certification and uh, be their biggest uh, uh, cheerleaders and be on their side, give them everything we can, pour our efforts all into the training centers and let them begin to build relationships with those students in those classes. Whereas before, we would have people who would watch a series, they would uh, read books, take tests, send it to the office, and we'd give them a certificate. That's non-relational, in my opinion. Right. So relationally, we began through the training centers to build uh, those training centers uh, and, 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 and put our efforts on, on what they were doing and let them do the training, have those relationships, walk them through uh, the, the exams and everything, and the overseeing the uh, counseling they were doing. So I think that's kind of how we steered the car. We started steering it that way. And, um, and and that, that became you know, a, a part of the success because the 650 people who are a part of IABC are the result of the efforts of those people. And there's a rumor going around town that you're also uh, you're interested in online uh, yep. training. Yep. And so how would that connect with the relation, relational model? What, yep. what are you yep. all's thoughts about that? Because you, you want to take advantage of technology, of course. Correct which would open up a lot of people, a lot more people who just can't travel here, travel there, or however that works to get to a training center. So how do you maintain the relational model? And, it's tougher, in and, my opinion, it's and tougher. Do the, and, and I'll make a shameless plug right here. We have our training is completely online, our mastermind program. Yeah. And I do understand that issue. And one of the things that I do is make site visits I try to visit with my students as much as I can, and that's what we've been doing this summer for the past couple months, is if I can get inside their home, uh, let's say it's a, a husband who's a student, you can only get so much information online as you interact with people. I mean, but when you see them in their home as they're interacting with their spouses or interacting with their children, the data is more real, is more practical, and you have more a better understanding of the individual that you're working with. So yeah, there are built-in limitations to online, but I wouldn't throw it out. Uh, no, and that's why we're moving in that direction. Uh, you know, because if, as we say in the South, if I had my druthers, uh, what I would say is the relational. I would translate that for you, but I'm from the South, so I don't think there's a better word. So if you don't know what Kevin just said, well, okay. So uh, actually, English is my second language. Yes. Uh, Southern, or what some call redneck, is my primary language. I knew exactly what you meant. Well, there you go. So if you had your druthers, you would do what? We would say that um, the relational aspect of the training center being involved over that year in the life of that person really being able to say, I am confident, 
like Paul said to uh, the right. Romans, yep. you can do this, and I know you do it, and I can I can stand behind what you're doing. We think that's primarily the best way to do that, but we get too many calls now that says, I cannot make it to that training center. So, yep. so the long-distance plan would be that every church, every believing Bible church on every corner in every town would have a training center. They would be a biblical counseling church. It's a bit interesting you have to say every believing yeah. Bible church. <laughs> That's because, just because you gather <laughs> footnote, in. Footnote, footnote. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we would say that would be the best thing if we could see every Bible-believing church seeing that biblical counseling was something they own, They be- it belongs to them, and they are that kind of church then there would be no question about, hey, where do I connect right. to get trained? Right. But since that's not the thing, right. then we've got to come under what we might call a law of concession. How do we address the need at hand? And so uh, the online training is what we're going to begin to utilize with our training centers who have that. You've already stated you have that. Others have that. We'll do that. And we really will do our very best through Zoom, Skype, Facebook, whatever, to relationally stay connected with them. Because some of those people could connect with the training center that is 25 hours away. Right. Yeah. Right. It just, we just have to see how that works out for us. Yeah. And we have online forums where our students are basically a student center where they're talking to each other all the time. We have monthly meetings where they're communicating with each other. And the other thing is that I try to encourage our students to let their pastors know what they're doing. Let them look over their shoulder. Let them mm-hmm. speak into the coursework. Let them see the coursework. Let them see so that they're part of it. And it's just not this silo individual out here in cyberspace. Yep. And I think if it's done well, it, it, it is effective. We've been doing it for uh, six or seven years now. I'm yep. not sure. But we've been doing it for a while, and it has proven effective. Well, so to use another colloquialism of our Southern culture, uh, I appreciate you telling me how you do that because uh, we say this, milk all the cows you can, just make your own butter, right? Well, and, and so I, I, amen, I'm, I'm milking a- that from you, my friend. <laughs> All right, we this will is, utilize that as a way to keep relationally connected. This is Kevin Hurt, episode 150. He's the executive director of the International Association of Biblical Counselors. Kevin, thank you so much for letting me do this interview. It was very encouraging. Well, thank you, Rick. It's always a pleasure to have you, especially to have you here at our international conference and look forward to the partnership we have going forward. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.